And, you know, we've become, I think, really good friends, right? In fact, I would say that we're forever friends, you and I. And, of course, all of God's people and anyone I make a friend of, I intend it to be forever. So, everybody, I pray that you will, um, you know, welcome Matthew today. And we look forward to your message today, Matthew. Thank you so much for that wonderful, kind introduction. Um, thank you, thank you, Crestline Church, for giving me the privilege of sharing the, the Word of God with you today. It is always an honor when we when we get to read the Bible for ourselves and to share the enlightenment that we've get, gotten. And then sometimes I think the title of pastor sometimes could, I mean, it makes puts me in a position where I want to make sure I do my best. But then I also realize when it comes to sharing the word of God, it doesn't take a title. It just takes a sincere person. And so if I could maybe encourage people that's here to like, whenever sharing a message of God, we should always do it with a kind heart. And doing with all of that, um, let's just dive into the word. But before I continue, I'd just like to start, um, ask that you please pray with me so that I ask the Holy Spirit to take over me so that my words translate properly and I don't go, duh, 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 duh. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear loving Father, um, it is an honor to be able to come into your presence, to take a day out of the week, and to rest in you. And I was given this honor to share what I've learned this week. And Lord, this week end is actually very special where we celebrate Easter, understanding the idea of the importance of the resurrection. And so, Lord, even though this message might com not completely be connected with Easter, I hope that we could keep that hope alive that we know that you've risen we know that we have our eternal life in you as long as we love you please be with me but please let the holy spirit be in this building so that whatever word come out of my mouth it makes an impact to each individual person here in your loving savior's name amen thank you jedediah for um reading the scripture reading pretty much whatever you guys read it technically is already answered to that question at the universal question the question is is pretty much the question it would be, do you love me? But before I go into that, I'd just like to add a few other questions. When it comes with questions, I realize questions could come in all different shapes and sizes or in context. And I think five of the examples that came up here is questions that I think we might have heard or heard people ask other people or seen in a movie. First question is, why is the sky blue? I think kids like to be very inquisitive. They're like, why? They like to ask anything of why. They're like, why is the sky blue? Why is the fire red? Why? And I'm, I'm always inquisitive. I'm like, ah, oh, it's good to know. It's good to seek out truth. Other questions is, what is your favorite color? This question allows us to get to know people. We get to know the things they like, the things that they dislike. And those questions are great. Um, this third question is more of something applies to sort of myself. Like, why are you so short? Kids are very honest. They look at you and they're like, they compare it to someone else. They're like, why are you different? And sometimes I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. I'm like, I'm short because I guess I'm short. Other ones is this one I think is very dangerous. Why does, uh, does this clothes make me look fat? I think it's a trap question. I'm like, people seem to ask that a lot. And I'm like, why ask if you're not going to like the answer? Like if we say yes, oh, if we say, sorry, not yes. If we say no, they think we're insincere. We say yes, they get angry at people. I find that funny. Last thing is this. I think this is a difficult question for kids to ask sometimes. Do you like mom or dad better? 
Some kids are actually faster, some kids are not, but I think it comes with any question. It could be a dilemma, it could be a question that is easy, it could be a haphazard question, but regardless of all of that, I think questions are very good because like I've been saying before, it, let, it allows us to find out more things about each other. Going with this, I, I found while doing my research of the Bible, like of my 30, how old am I, 32 years of my life, when I was reading the Bible, I was very fascinated that there are certain parts in the Bible where God asked questions, and those were, those, that actually fascinated me. And so I'm going to share with you guys a few Bible verses I found where Jesus was asking, oh, God or Jesus was asking a question to people. So going with this, here's one. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, it reads, But the Lord God called to man and asked, Where are you? We know the context of this one pretty much, right? This happened right after they ate the fruit and they were hiding. That's one. Another question that I found in the Bible is 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? That one happened right, this, this happened right after he um, showed the power of God. Um, fire came down from heaven, and then the sacrifices all went up. And Jesus asked him this question. Uh, Jonah chapter 4, verse 4, the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? This is right after he, he, he told Nineveh to, come, um, to repent. They repented, and God saved them. He wasn't happy. We could get a little bit more context. Two other questions is this is what Jesus asked. Mark chapter 8, verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went to the village around uh, Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? The last one I'm sharing is Luke chapter 8, verse 45, who touched me, Jesus asked, when they were denied, and they all denied it. Peter said, Master, the people who are crowded, you are pressing against you. What does that mean? And so if you look at all these questions, sometimes I feel like God likes to ask rhetorical questions. I'm like, these are all blatantly obvious. Or for us, knowing that our God is powerful, like why does God ask if he knows the answer? And so I was like contemplating this. And so with that, I was like, huh, I'm going to look for answers. And I actually did, but I'm going to share that at the end of my message, sort of put a nice little bow on the end. But these are not the questions we're going to be focused on today. As Jedediah read for us today, the question we're going to be actually focusing on is going to be found in John chapter 21 verse 16 and that reads again jesus said simon son of john do you love me he answered yes lord you know that i love you and jesus said take care of my sheep some people might question me by saying is this actually this question do you love me is this actual the actually the universal question most people will claim sorry that this is the universal question where do we how did we get here? I'm not going to disagree with that, but to, for today's purpose, I think the universal question is this. <laughs> Do you love me? It's because it's a question when Jesus asked, I'm like, Peter answered, like, we know the story in the self, and we're going to dive into that. But when Jesus, when Peter answered it, it was a blatantly obvious, and I think it's an answer that we could all pretty much give quite earnestly and heartfelt. Because when God asked, Do you love me? It is an answer. But then also I found this question, even though it's very simple, I realized this question is also very difficult. This question, if you look deep into your heart and you seek it out, this question actually makes a challenge, especially for Peter. Um, this question um, seemed to make you sprout more questions. Going back to the other question that Jesus asked, when Jesus asked questions, it's like, okay, he knows. 
or does he not know? Why is he asking me this? He already knows the answer. And more questions seem to always pop up. But I think this confusion that we find when Jesus asks questions is a very good thing. It means that we're trying to look for something. I think it's, some, I think it's a desire of wanting to know, some, to know something better. And if we actually take the time to be a little bit calm and look at this passage in itself, we find the answer to this question to be very sincere. Continuing on, um, we know the context of the story. Uh, I think a lot of I think a lot of pastors already done a passage on this sermon, so I'm going to gloss over it very quickly. Why do you? Um, I'm going to ask a question where maybe hopefully the young kids could answer this. Do um, you know if we look at this Bible passage in itself? Jesus asked Peter, "Do you love me?" three times. Do you guys have any idea? Um, do you guys know why Jesus possibly asked Peter three times, "Do you love me?" Do you have an answer? Do you remember the story a little bit? Adults could answer. I just thought I'll give the kids an op- option first. Yeah, those three in the story up here. And so I think Jesus was just being very kind. I think Jesus knew that Peter would chastise himself. We believe that this story happened probably about a week or a week and a half after Jesus was resurrected. Even though Peter, I've seen him a few times, I felt Peter felt very guilty. This is the man, I, I love Peter, He's, he has a mouth on him. He, he the, process, uh, the thought on his head to his mouth, there is no filter, and so whatever you think, he just shoots it out. I, don't, I, think, I believe a lot of us know some people like that, right? They have no filter or they don't think, and they just say whatever's on their mind. Sometimes we like their honesty, other times it's not. But regardless of that, I know that this happened. And Peter, before Jesus was crucified, Peter said, I am not going to deny it. I'm going to stay with you till the end, even though Jesus had said multiple times, you are going to deny me. And this story happened. And... Peter denied him so much. Kids, here's something very fascinating. Peter denied him three times. At the last one, he sort of technically swore. He said, I do not know this man. He said it with such emphasis because he was afraid to die. The fear was there. This happened, and so Jesus had to make, give Peter the confirmation. Yes, I know you did this to me, and I know that some people are going to doubt you, but I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to show you that I love you regardless and with all of that. This is, uh, this is a wonderful thing that we see, that when, G, um, when Peter makes the emphasis to trying to get his footing back, trying to reconnect with God, it happens all of that. Um, the question when Jesus asked Peter again, do you love me? It was, it was asked in earnestness. It was asked with sincerity. He, Jesus just wanted Peter to be able to say it out loud. Because sometimes I believe words have actually a lot of meaning. Yes, we may think it, and it does help at times. But I believe words, physical words that come out of people, it brings healing as well. Going with this, um, I thought that was very powerful. And LNG White also um, agrees with us uh, that it was a very powerful thing to do. Sorry, I did not realize how small the words were. But this is what LNG, uh, LNG White said in The Desire of Ages. Three times Peter had openly denied God, and three times Jesus drew from him the assurance of his love and loyalty, pressing home the, that pointed question like a barbed arrow to his wounded heart. Before the assembled disciples, Jesus revealed the depth of Peter's repentance and showed how thoroughly, ooh, thank you, <laughs> and humbly it was once, uh, through humble was the once boasted disciple. Jesus is a very compassionate God, and I love to see it. You can see this countless, multiple times in the Bible when things happen like that. 
Now that we've gone with that, I'm going to go with a different, a little bit approach. With all of this that I've said that Jesus is loving and caring, I think an, another question might come up to people like me, a little bit a practical mindset person, is this. Yes, Peter denied Jesus three times, but I'm like, did Jesus really have to say it three times? Jesus is powerful, right? He could have just said it once. I know you love me. You say you love me back. It could have been done, but why that redundancy? Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that the three times was, uh, was it was not to counteract the three times to deny them. I think that was great. But I did some, I was doing some um, Greek word uh, search in the Bible text, and I found that there was another reason why Jesus asked him, do you love me three times? And so I'm going to share that with you. Um, but before we do that, let's just read the passage here. John chapter 21, verse 15 and 17, the whole story as a whole. When they had finished eating, this is when Jesus helped them catch a lot of fish. I believe it was 153. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these disciples? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him three times. Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Amen. Jesus asked again, Peter, the, the question that we all know. Do you love me three times? And we know. And so now this is where I'm going to share with you something I know. There is actually in the Greek, there are supposedly about eight versions of the word love in the Greek. I'm only going to focus on these three that I think are like a little bit more of a bigger cluster of things. First one, I think we all know very well. The first one is agape. We know, we heard that one before. We heard of agape feast. This um, word for um, agape, it's a meaning of, is the unconditional love. It's the one that doesn't have to require to be bought, I believe. I think that's the best we can look at. It's, it's the love that is eternal. That's one. Other love that we, we know so well is philia. This is what they consider the friendship love. The um, What other ones are there? Sorry. Uh, yes, people said uh, um, friendship love, platonic love, and all of that. And the third one is eros, which um, it's the uh, relationship of passion love, and it's all good. I think all of these are very well and good. Uh, when I was doing some research on the word agape, I found that the, um, the Greeks don't use the word agape often. It's only used in context of primarily more in the Bible. Jews, or the Hebrew word and the Greek word was used a lot to emphasize this love. Is because people knew that this love was almost impossible to do. Oh, so knowing all of this, here's one thing. Um, here's something that I found very interesting. So remember in the passage of how we read this, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? When the, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me the First time, he asked him in the agape, Peter, do you agape me? And um, if you guys look here, Peter's uh, response is, you know that I phileo you. He couldn't say it. So, but, so Jesus understanding him, he said, you could feed my lamb. Jesus asked him again the second time, do you agape me again? He asked it a second time, do you agape me? Peter answered, no, I phileo you. That's something very interesting. If you can do it a third time, Jesus said, Simon, do you phileo me? He changed it. Like, for us in the, in the English, if you say three loves, it's like redundant. It's like, for me, I, 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 I am a redundant person by nature, but when I see redundancies of other things, I'm like, it's so pointless. <laughs> so I, I, I'm a little oxymoron on here. But here was something interesting in the Greek was that at first when Peter, oh, when God asked, uh, Jesus asked Peter twice, he asked him, do you agape him? He was sort of pushing him. How, how much can you um, 
realize unconditional love. Peter couldn't say it. And so the last time, um, Jesus lowered his standard a little bit. He's like, okay, fine. Do you phileo me the third time? And then this time, it just tore Peter to the gut. He's like, you, he says it here, you know it. You know I really love you. Because Peter, I think Peter realized at this moment was this. After he denied Christ, he realized that his love, no matter how sincere he could, he couldn't reach that agape on his own. I think this man was very honest. When Jesus asked him, do you love me? Even though he wanted to say, I agape you, he knew that he couldn't on his own will. And so I love this part of God, is that God did this three times just to give him a little, like, show him how much he was lacking, but at the same time, didn't fault him for lacking. He's like, you're fine. If you can't reach it, I'll bring you, I'll come down to the level you understand at this moment. But we know through Peter's life, eventually, I do believe his love went from Philea to agape. We know, that in the, we know that in the history books, Peter actually was crucified upside down, and Peter claimed, I cannot be crucified as my master. I'm going to be crucified upside down. He understood the full extent of the agape love that God gave him. I, I, that's what I believe. Even though at times, as a human being, he probably couldn't always understand it, he was able to comprehend and understand that this love had to be taken from somewhere else. Let's see. So with uh, so it goes with this. So when I was talking, so this is why my sermon title came with focus on the universal question: Why did Jesus ask this? If Jesus asked me this question, "Do you love me?" I don't know if I could have answered as confidently as Peter did. But I do hope that I could become like Peter, and that's what our daily lives go for. We have to challenge challenge ourselves. We can't love God without understanding Him, and the way the best way to do that is this thing that we have right here. Is our week, our daily, not weekly, our daily connection with God. And, I, and I'm saying this to everyone here, but I'm also saying this to myself. There are days, sometimes I don't want to read this. I'm like, it's, it cuts me to the core. It makes me feel um, unworthy at times. But when we read this Bible here, we find so much love and care in the Bible where Jesus is telling you, I love you and sharing with you. Uh... The questions I, I shared at the beginning of my message, I was implying that sometimes a lot of people ask questions to get answers, and sometimes when to get answers, these questions have to come with conditions. And I think this concept of that sometimes have made us limited to understanding of God. Let me explain this thing I'm trying to share. I recall um, of, of a friend who likes to take care of children. She's a very good babysitter. She told me there were times when she'll babysit some kids, and these kids, would be very tricky. They would try to get away with things because they, that they know that their parents wouldn't let them. And so my friend one time was like, the kids were like, okay. Um, they were like, if you, if, you wanna, if, you want us to if you want us to like you, you're gonna let us stay up later. If you like us, you'll let us eat candy. It's a condition, they, 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 they were pretty much blackmailing her. But a lot of times pe people see God as that. He's like, to love me, you have to do this. There's that misconception here. And so this is why I was focusing here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's why. My bad. I did not know we were being recorded. Next time, please tell me. No. No. no, that was my fault. Going with all of this, when it comes with the love and everything else, I, I believe that the... Yeah. 
I believe that that love is actually very not conditional. And here is, here is why I believe that is very unconditional. Jesus said this. 1 John chapter 4, um, verse 19 says this. We love because he first loved us. He is Jesus. Jesus or God never asks us to do something he hasn't done. And we know another verse that's very powerful as well that we know this, John 3, 16, that we hopefully we memorize and grain in our heads. For God so loved, and this is funny, I, I, just for the fun of it, I looked up the Greek, that this is agape. For God so agape the world that he gave us his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I found this very promising that with the universal question, it wasn't that you have to find the answer. Jesus was like, I have the answer for you. And for us, we could learn that through Peter, is that he said it three times. He said, agape, agape, filio. He said, it's all fine. Start from where you are, and you could reach it. And I think that that is a very wonderful thing that could be happening when it comes with this love that is happening. And um, this is sort of my little twist and wiggle to make this sort of connected to Easter, is that without, without God's death, oh, Jesus' death and his resurrection, this whole thing is pointless. Because without the uh, plan of salvation, all of us here would have had to try to get into heaven with our own merits. And I know for myself personally, if it was with my own merits, <laughs> I'd rather just be sinning and having fun, quote-unquote. But we know that God died roughly about 2,000 years ago where he genuinely cared for us, that he sent his son to die. And we, every year with Easter, we try to be reminded to, be, to, to think back of how much he loves us. Going with this, this is my final part of my message on the practical approach to the question, do you love me? And it is this. I, I think um, the little kids could agree with this. The word I love you could only go so far, and there's other ways to express I love you. Kids, could you tell me what are some other ways that you could express I love you? What are some ways that we could do this? Can you think of some methods? What are some other ways, aside from saying I love you? Uh, okay, adults, please help. A hug, A hug right? Action in love. I love it. That is one of the things, and I think a lot of parents do this naturally, right? Of course, sometimes I, as, a, as a kid myself, to my parents, I'm like, sometimes the actions were like, we forget that the action is that. Because in, in the Asian culture, we don't say it. I, I don't know how, how other cultures are, but in the Korean culture, they don't say the word I love you often. This is de definitely true with my parents' generation and above. My grandparents don't say that to their kids a lot, and I've heard it. And in, that's, I think that's why our Asian people are very stoic. If we don't know how to say it verbally, but they do it through action. Parents will send their kids through school. Parents will make sure their, their um, kids are fed. They'll make sure they have clothes on their back. These parents will make sure that they're, oh, and if they're sick, they'll do their best. If you guys ever do some research in Korea, parents will literally like, do everything. They'll take, um, send them to um, tutoring, extra tutoring. I'll try to make sure that they get into a good school. Parents will do everything. And then, there's kids my age and will complain, oh no, they don't love me, they don't say it enough. It's because we forget that actions speak loud too. And so that was where I found out to make a little bit of a connection in the past. There's a guy called, I think is um, Gary Campbell, who wrote that five, uh, the, the love languages, the five expressions. I think Koreans have to read it. <laughs> we need to learn to not just do this, access service, all the other forms, but that's just me venting a little bit, I apologize. But coming with this in the whole action love, there's multiple ways of doing it. And I think people here naturally do it a lot. Um, 
some, of, some of the ways um, I would like to recommend through the action of love is simply this. We could do homeless feeding. I think a lot of churches naturally do this. We could make care packages for people who are sick. Um, we could ask people how they're doing. We could give them hugs. There's multiple ways to show that love. And again, Jesus is not asking us to do this without him doing anything. He first loved it. He's made, he tried to make sure that we're loved and so we could reflect that back. For me, I always consider myself a mirror less than a candle. A lot of people make the reference, we're like candles. But for me, I like to emphasize, as Christians, I want to be like a mirror. When I see Jesus' love shine to me, I want to make sure I reflect it back. But even though this is my sincere thought, I could say for the past two years, I've seen a lot more hate going around than anything. Um, it may, it, um, part of me is, it, it's, I'll talk about it it's like because of my Asian heritage, but that's not it. I think the world's just been a little bit more hateful. Um, I wish I knew where the root of that issue was, but I won't know. But I think people have become a little bit more self-centered, a little bit to themselves, and I felt entitled. And so with this, I would, I would like to challenge everyone here to sort of let's change that a little bit, to be a little bit more loving. And again, that takes a lot of effort. Um, I personally can't stay for experience. I don't have a significant other that I claim I love yet. But with all of that, I do believe while watching my family, with, with watching my friends, I do know that love takes a lot of effort. It takes, it takes time, it takes energy, and to do all of this. Going with this, I'm going to share with you guys one little other thing about myself. Is I was sharing with you guys all these actions of love that you could do. And I'm going to be honest, there are some of these actions that I, I personally have difficulty doing. One of them is um, actually doing the feeding the homeless. For some reason, um, when I was younger, I don't know, it just felt, I'm good with, I'm very kind to people I get to know eventually. But if I meet a stranger, I'm a little hesitant, I'm a reserved person in my nature and so when it comes to feeding these homeless people for some reason I've had this thought in my mind these people need to be different I need to I need to be aware of them it's because society has told me these guys are not they're homeless for a reason yada yada and I think that made me tainted to look at them I have been recently trying very hard whenever I see those people I try not to see them as people or who might take advantage I'm, I'm like that is not my place to judge if I see someone who needs help I'm going to try to look at them as a children of God and try to help them but even though I say this all the time I have a hard time doing it so when it comes with this whole action of love that I'm encouraging us to do I'm going to be fr- I'm being honest with you I have difficulty as well and this is why we have to continually want to be more like Christ uh, let's see. <laughs> to conclude this message, I'm now going to wrap up with those five or six questions of how, the questions that God gave, um, asked to people in the Bible. And so, ooh, I don't have it. <laughs> I forgot I didn't make the slide for it. So here we go. First one is, remember that question when, um, when God asked uh, um, Adam and Eve, where are you? The question is, again, redundant. God knows everything. He's omnipotent. I think Jesus, uh, God, was trying to give them a chance to confess and to own up to their mistake. I, be- I believe that shows another loving God. The question, uh, two, uh, the question number two, what are you doing here when God was uh, asking Elijah was that he knew Elijah was going through a hard time, but I think he had to give Elijah time to able to share his venting. And I, um, this, is where, this is another side of God that I love very much, is that some people feel like when you pray to God, you can only ask him if it's our personal thing or God is too busy to worry about every little detail in our lives. But 
as I was listening to this morning of people sharing their prayer requests, I think God cares about every little detail. It could be the little cough that we have. It could be that misunderstanding we have with our friend. I think God cares about every small detail in our lives. And at least we know that he is a person that will hear without being judgmental. I remember sometimes I'll complain about certain things and people look at me like, that's your problem. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> but we know that when God listens, he's genuine. Of course, I, sometimes if God had our presence, he'd be like, okay, you said this already multiple times, but at least we know he won't talk back to us. That's that. Uh, the situation with Jonah, why are you so angry? Jonah just had to vent, but then Jesus was trying, God was trying to show him was that even the Gentiles, that, people, that the Jews were very abhorrent about. He's like, I love them too. And I'm, I'm glad that happened because if that didn't happen, none of us here could technically claim to have that inheritance of the salvation where, where none of us are Jews. <laughs> but we have that thanks to that. Other one found in Mark, it's when Jesus was asking his disciples, what do the people say that I am? He was giving his disciples a chance to share what their thought process was. And this is where Peter's big mouth got him. He's like, people say you're the Messiah. He knew it right away. And Jesus was like, yeah, good for you. And then right after, he causes trouble. That man, he gets praised and he gets in trouble. Look in the Bible. Peter's life is ups and downs. It's very fun to say. The other one was, oh, I mean, Jesus, with, with that lady who touched him, he was, he was giving them opportunity to share love with all of this. I believe that none of the questions that God and Jesus asked was ever to judge or punish people, but it was an opportunity for them to express their true feelings for their God. And I think God really wants to do that. Like the way he gave it with Peter, he's like, you love me, follow these actions. By doing that, I think all of us have certain things that we want to improve on. And let's say if this passage makes you feel uncomfortable, that just means God is working in our hearts, and I think that is good. So going with all of this, now I'm at the very, very end. If you ever feel like God is asking you, do you love me? I hope we can say, yes, I love you. Thank you.